Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? You know I'm doing. I'm doing it. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> hey, hey, we are still in a pandemic. I have to say that. Uh, I mean, nope. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. People are trying to return back to normal, and we're now going back to normal. And... Please accept this reality, people. And so they're not they're not ready. They're not ready. They're not. not. We're still in denial. Help us, Lord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here, you know, we 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 are here. I'm good. You know, we it's uh, the summer is winding down. This was a very Mm -hmm. unique summer um, Mm -hmm. under quarantine. Uh, But hey, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Amen. Amen. Glad to be here. That means that's a lot. <laughs> that that that's a serious blessing. So um, trying not to take that uh, for granted. Absolutely. So uh, I'm glad to be at this table with you, girl. Yes, um, always, always, sis, always. So yeah, no, things are going well. We're trying to discern some things in our world about oh, school and um, next steps, like what it means to you know what it means to do life and be mindful of the the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now, both with the pandemic and politically and what it means for churches, all the things, so many things, so many things. So uh, God is good and God is in control. And that's not cliche. That's actually the source of our hope today. So I'm glad for that. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. We are grateful for a God that does not change that in a world that's ever changing. (laughs) That is good news. For real. You mean in an unstable world? Because it feels real unstable. <laughs> For real. We don't need no shaky God now. Amen. <laughs> uh, but so clearly uh, Michelle's not at the table. So y'all know that means that we have an interview and a special guest at the table. Yeah, we do. It's really more like a family friend if we're keeping it real. Um, we have our brother Lecrae at the table. Hey, Lecrae. What's going on, ladies? <laughs> oh, it's going, it's going. How are you? Man, you know, listen, I, I'm wonderful because at the end of the day, I don't know what's going on out here, but God does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, I'm just going, you know, I, I'm, I'm wonderful because I know that God knows what he's doing. So I'm Period. just going to follow his lead and... Uh, <laughs> And and, and and not let my joy be stolen out here in these streets. Listen, put it on, put it on lock. Put your joy on lock, please. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. That's it. Keep the joy on lock. That is on period, for real. Like, yeah. So, so yeah. we're so glad to have you at the table. Y'all, just in case, you know, you don't know, um, Lecrae is, I'm just going to be real brief because he's been at the table before, y'all. Uh, Lecrae is a two-time Grammy award-winning hip-hop artist and best-selling author, okay? Lecrae has inspired millions with his redemptive and gut-honest Art and so he's here at the table to talk about his book "I Am Restored." So this is a behind the book um, episode. Last time he came to the table, he had just dropped um, "All Things Work Together." That was back in 2017. Uh, and Lecrae, I mean, you came to the table, and my goodness, that interview just blew up. I mean, at least from our vantage point. And so I'm curious to hear from you. What, how was life after coming to the table the first time? What has happened? Where are you, brother? How are you? <laughs> Thanks for coming wow. back. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, uh, uh, shout out to black women. Uh, <laughs> Amen. You know, me, me sitting down with, with, with some black women uh, really did... Uh, change a lot in in terms of the course of of my perspective my life i mean honestly like sincerely and this is not just to placate or anything like that but mm-hmm. it has been black women who have really be shaped uh the the second half of my christian walk mm-hmm. um and 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 a lot of it you know was fleshed out sitting with you uh, here on Truth's Table, uh, where I was able to process some things. And the infamous quote was was said on that podcast that, uh, have you divorced white evangelicalism? Mm. And uh, <laughs> that's been a shockwave through uh, the evangelical world because, of course, Lecrae was the safe Black man in Christendom. And so I think people heard, do you hate Black people now? Uh, mm. Are white people now? Do you hate white people? Um so that was interesting right. because 
you know, I went through a whole process of people, um, my my white brothers and sisters, uh, mm-hmm. like just saying, "Well, we're done with him," and uh, and and that was that was a hard thing to process because the backdrop of my identity was really built off of, um, you know, white evangelicalism uh, mm-hmm. and and assimilation, and so I had to 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 like process my own identity over the last couple of years. It's been great though, therapy education um and and uh prayer and god is you know consistently growing me and and then of course you get to 2020 and i'm like yo i think i'm i'm i think i'm better i'm ready to come out the hole and as soon as i come out the hole the whole controversy with louis giglio pops off and i'm like yeah. oh my lord satan get get off me you know what i'm saying but uh <laughs> get, get behind me. yeah um but i will say man it's been stretching i've grown a lot uh there's definitely been some some incredible highs and lows but uh god has restored me and i'm i'm happy to talk about it yeah yeah well, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you even brought that up. You gave me a kind of a necessary segue, <laughs> segue around this this kind of white blessings. But I think even more so than that, um, the way that people hear each other or fail to hear each other. So when you brought up, you know, that that I guess you know that infamous question of you know, have you divorced white evangelicalism? Mm-hmm. And I know it had I know it has some of the words in it that are uh, particularly sensitive to white evangelicals like divorce and white. Right. Um, <laughs> those, those those words cause people to twitch and itch. Um, but 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 that but that even that phrasing that phrasing of of uh, you know white blessings or uh, yeah. um, the way that we use language. I mean, you're you're an, you are an artist. You you use language uh, to to bring things to life and. Right. I'm just curious about yeah what you were thinking in that moment and kind of how it's teaching you or as you move forward and the power of maybe even your own words or the words that are said around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in that moment I was definitely uncomfortable. Um yeah. you know, I was uncomfortable. I didn't quite know it, it, you're sitting there and, and 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 prior to that I have to set the context. So contextually yeah. this is a a, a pastor that I've done some events with that I have no reason to feel as if he has any ill will or ill motive. You know, there's a history there of being cordial and, and, um, and, and just mutuality. Um, obviously I know there's some, some slight differences of, of views on some things, but we haven't dove deep into that. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm told, you know, this will be broadcast in front of a half a million people. I mean, uh, yeah, half a million people around the world. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm thinking about all of these particulars as I'm sitting here talking. I'm also trying not to touch the nerve that kind of sent me over the edge over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm trying to protect my mental uh, sanity and mental health in the in the in the very same breath. Right. And so it was like an assault of like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? What do I do now in this moment? And um, and so I know where he's going because we've had a conversation previously to to him saying he wants you know what he had told me was like hey I white people struggle with uh, white fragility and white privilege and so I just want to be able to help them understand what all that means so I I felt like that's where he was trying to go but I was caught off guard with what he said in his direction so I'm I'm not in my head like okay I I think I know where you're trying to go I didn't quite hear the white, the, the slavery part. And I was like, what, wait, what? And I'm thrown off and then it gets the white blessing. And I'm like, whoa. Um, but my, my reaction and man, God bless Austin Channing Brown, who, who gently corrected me in this, my reaction was centered around the white listeners in the room and not centered around the black people who would struggle uh, with the way he articulated this. So I was trying to course correct centering around the white people who were listening instead of course correcting around those who would be hurt and, uh, and, and, and offended uh, by what was said. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, you in know, particularly in those places when you always want to center those who are going to be, who are um, at the, the greatest 
um, risk of harm, right? Mm. Uh, or to whom the harm is done mm. um, in that type of situation. And so it was clear to me that when you were shaking your head, you were not nodding in agreement. It right. seemed to me to be a trauma response because <laughs> um, you seem to be shocked, you know, <laughs> by what uh, what that man was saying. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about, and then, then I want to jump into your book, but I'm curious about um, how you... Um, so, so in that moment when you, you know, when that, when that happened and then there was the fallout, you know, on Twitter, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, mm -hmm. people are tweeting at you as they normally do and attacking yeah. you, um, yeah. some trying to correct you, right. And sometimes sure. we can take correction as an attack, oh, um, yeah. uh, particularly black women. Yeah. Where, because black women gonna do what we do. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna jump in, um, and try to either offer some correction, um, and some to some some might have been attacking you. So I'm not saying that everybody was not doing that, but there's some that sure. were trying to come in to intervene to maybe correct. Um, yeah. And I'm curious about the ways that uh, you know you talk about um, the need to keep Nathan's you know in your life. You know, we mm. um, people don't know Nathan was a prophet in the Bible that um, uh, confronted. David about mm -hmm. his own sin, his rape against Bathsheba, um, the mur murdering uh, uh, Uriah Bathsheba's husband. He mm -hmm. did all man, and David did all manner of things, y'all. And so mm -hmm. Nathan is the one that spoke truth uh, to David, and David did not uh, receive that at first. You know, at, at first it was like, wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I am the man, right? So he recognized himself in that correction and that rebuke. Right. I'm wondering. Um, in the beginning, it seemed like um, when when the black women were correcting you, there was a bit of a, a clapback. I would say <laughs> the way that in your response to the black women. Uh, but after some time, it seemed that you probably began to see like, wait a minute, they weren't trying to come for me; they were actually trying to help me. I'm curious about how what um, what uh, safeguards have you put in, or what what ways are are you trying to course correct now so that you can recognize. Nathans when they're coming toward you or when they're coming to you to actually try to correct you um how who who are those black women um and or or do you are, are, do you have some sort of system or mechanism in in place are you working on that in progress right. on how you can begin to have those Nathans in your corner or in your circle if and when something like this happens again right um i i think I'm always in process. So mm -hmm. I, I would I would never say I have arrived now and I got it all figured out. I think even me being on this on this podcast is is me still working mm -hmm. through my growth and and me still working toward understanding and processing. And and that's the thing is um, the the unfortunate part about being a public figure is that you're you're growing in front of the world. Yes, yes. And so I'm always growing in front of the world, and you you're you're oftentimes not able to recognize the helpful voices uh, amidst the hurtful voices um, when yes. they're all coming at you at a million miles an hour. And so as you know, the flesh you know wants to respond, you know, and and just start you know. Uh, de being defensive, sure. um, but I, but I think um, the spirit wants you to walk in humility and be able to hear and grow from uh, what's being said. So, mm. so for me, it's just a it's it's like in anything, you know, you 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 don't wake up humble and then you're done being hum like oh, I arrived. You're, you're constantly in pursuit of humility, and so for me, I'm constantly in pursuit of growth in areas that I, I, I need to, I need to learn, you know, I'm married to a black woman, I'm raising mm -hmm. a young black daughter. That doesn't mean I haven't figured out. That means I have every incentive to keep learning until I die. Right. Um, so that's kind of where I, where yeah. I've, I've landed. And so, you know, obviously you all, um, mm -hmm. Austin, uh, Dr. Shaniqua Barnes, uh, you For know, sure. my publicist, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, I'm surrounded by incredible black women who, I, I I have no excuse not to tap in and ask questions. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So you know, I I have a piece of what you just said. Just it popped out to me, and I just wanted to make all the people go back and listen to it again. <laughs> I wanted to reiterate it, which was you know I I have all the incentive to keep learning until until I die, right? Because I'm married Come to on. a black woman, because I'm raising a black daughter. Instead of saying uh, because these people in my life are in my life, I'm good. So I know you've certainly heard people. Um, 
use the fact that they that they have a wife or they have daughters to, as an excuse that they are not sexist, right? Mm. In, instead, the truth is because God has blessed me with this proximity to, to women in my life, I have even more of a burden to self-examine, right? Even more right. work to do until the end. And so I just appreciate you, you raising up that point um, because we have to be so careful about not using our proximity to people um, as an ex- as kind of as a trophy or, or a get out of trouble pass, but instead to mm. say they are the reason why I have to dig deep. They deserve it. They deserve that type of honor. Mm. So, uh, so uh, we have uh, the book. I am restored, and mm. so 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 people, so people, y'all gonna be able to get it soon enough. <laughs> y'all gotta wait a little bit, but we got the book. And I'm telling you what, um, I had all kinds of emotions and feelings reading this book, Lecrae. Um, wow. And uh, and maybe I think it tapped me on my shoulder in some particular ways because I'm a former trauma therapist. And so um, there were so many pieces of it where just light bulbs were going off or I just it was as if I could see you as a little boy. Like I, I kept seeing like a, mm-hmm. a nine year old little black boy or 12 year old boy, mm-hmm. um, six year old boy, um, which just popped in my head. And so. I have, we got thoughts about it for sure. Um, mm. But I am curious to hear from you why this book, because it is, it is revealing. Um, it is risky in that sense. It is vulnerable. And why this book now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think people, um, I have been objectified by Christendom. And, mm. and so because and I was and I gave into that objectification. I and, and objectification is when you mm. you only want what you, what you want from a person. So when when I was an objectifier of women, I just wanted the physical intimacy. I didn't see them as dynamic uh, human beings who had so many uh, virtues and, and things to offer. I only saw the aspect of them that I wanted. And and similarly, uh, Christendom has objectified me as a black man and said we only want your music and, and, and the things that you say, um, as it pertains to God in the way that we want it. We don't want your dynamic. We don't mm-hmm. want your history, your trauma. We don't want your blackness. We don't want any of those particular things. We, we essentially don't want you. And, um, and I was so tired of hiding all of who I am and all of who God had made me to be and how I got here. You know, there's a quote that says, when I help the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why they're poor, they call me a communist. And uh, yes, yes. And I wanted people to know why I am the way that I am. I wanted people to understand that I'm asking some of the whys and I'm answering some of the whys at this stage in my career. This is this didn't happen by osmosis. And um, and I didn't get I, I can't write these vulnerable songs that you love mm-hmm. just by osmosis. They come from a lot of trauma. They come from being right. a black man in America. And I think people needed to understand what went into me being who I am. Hmm. My goodness. You know, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, I think it's, I think people will be, um, blessed or maybe even shocked to hear that you were objectified. Um, and that even that you admit to maybe playing a part in, yeah. in that objectification. Mm-hmm. Um, I even think about it, I, I guess another adjacent term is even pimping yourself out. Right. And yeah. I think we we're tempted to do that in a lot of different ways and at different phases in our life. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, people say when you hit your forties, you don't care about nothing no more. You know, anybody's <laughs> attitude. I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Nah, that, ain't, that, <laughs> that ain't true. It's a myth? Okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe 65. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know what? I will say when I read this book, I was like, "Woo, Lecrae ain't um, he ain't playing with us." I was like, was like "Oh, he he ain't gonna give us no on ramp." I was like, "Okay, he he just gonna keep it all the way real." You know what? Let me let's take a, a quick uh, commercial break, and when we come back, I am going to read an excerpt of Lecrae's book. And Lecrae, I just want you to unpack it for us. So, uh, do not move. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Are y'all on Patreon.com yet? We hope you are, because if so, you already know about all of the things that Truth Table offers to our patrons. 
things like extended interviews, kind of behind the podcast, especially getting to know some of our guests. We have exclusive content from Truth Table Live and we give discounts. And before other people find out about our specials, you'll hear about them. So go on over to patreon.com slash truthstable and sign up to become a monthly supporter today. And we are back. So like I was saying, Lecrae, you didn't give us no on-ramp. You didn't let us settle in. You went, I mean, straight from chapter one, my childhood wounds. I was like, oh, dang, we, we starting there. That's right. Start from the very beginning. So <laughs> I'm reading. In the beginning. <laughs> I have, like, I always tell y'all, my sisters at the table, I always tell you I have the advanced reader's copy, so it might be a little different when you get yours. But my book says on page nine, I want to read an excerpt uh, from 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 your book, Lecrae, that really jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, dang, like, he, he is going to really lay it all out in this book. Um, So this is page nine, the bottom of page nine, and it says... My chaos was eroding any signs of the healthy me. I learned to recognize myself in my flawed state and treat it as my default setting. I was coping with a number of addictions that I couldn't find my way free from. I knew it was wrong, but I was in pain. When I wanted to feel numb to all the anguish, I couldn't put down the bottle. I was drinking every night just to disengage from the depressive state. I wanted to mute my anxiety, to push it down as far as possible. It was one thing to have a few drinks, but I couldn't stop there. I went from functioning buzzed to getting full-blown drunk with frightening ease. When the depression was at its height, I would drink incessantly, not even worrying about what the consequences would be. When alcohol wouldn't work, I turned to pills. The pills were supposed to help alleviate the symptoms of depression and anxiety. They were designed to make me feel better, but that wasn't working. I was popping the pills like candy, thinking they would stop the conflict in my mind. I would have bursts of hedonism, temporarily give myself to all the forbidden fruits of my platform. At times, a mixture of the pills and alcohol led to a severe lack of judgment and numbness. These were just the tip of the iceberg. My family and friends could see the dark cloud emerging over my head that had hovered over my soul for years, a cloud of chaos, end quote. Um, Lecrae. I'm curious, my goodness, uh, thank you for just opening up your life to us in this way, first of all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second of all, I'm curious about uh, when you talk about hedonism, that can be kind of like a a term that's not always so accessible to people. Can you talk to us about what that hedonism looked like for you and describe what this cloud of chaos is? Can you just unpack this this excerpt of your book? Yeah, Um, I I can recall... one particular time in DC. We're on tour and I'm on a radio run, mainstream radio, uh, Blessings is all over the radio. So there's a lot of mainstream promoters in these cities that uh, come out to meet you. I am I am not healthy, emotionally, mentally. I'm just not in a healthy place. And um, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure what had just happened in the news or in society. I'm, I'm not even sure at this point. It was just so much, it's so much going on. Um, but I remember the promoter came to get us in DC and he said, uh, you know, I, I don't know what kind of artist you are, but what do y'all like to do? It's Howard's homecoming. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you tell us, you know what I mean? And uh, he was like, all right, well, cool. We got a table for y'all uh, at this club and, you know, we'll take you in there. The DJ will play your song and we'll shout you out. And, you know, you just kind of go through the motions and and and, you know, you're just you're you're there and they're bringing you bottle after bottle after bottle. And you're you're all your the songs are coming on and, you know, you're just you're having a good time. And I remember and I'm, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying mm-hmm. this is what it was. Sure. But I remember, you know, I'm I'm sitting there. I'm super intoxicated. I'm, you know, uh, anybody who knows me, I'm definitely not a representation of light or health um, in that in that environment. And I remember uh, stumbling out of there and um, and a guy had uh, had bumped into me. You know what I mean? Uh, um, and he had bumped into me outside and I was like, you too? 
What do you want? What, what, like, what else? What else do you want? What you want to do? What you want to do? And and he's like, what are you talking about, buddy? And I'm like, let's do it. You want to fight? We can fight you right now. You ready to take flight on him? Wow. Just, just ready to ready take to off. Up. And, and, and for no reason. You know wow. what I mean? And it was just like everyone who was around me was like, yo, you are tripping right now. Um, you know, got back on the tour bus and kind of went off on some of my team. You know what I mean? And just just totally out of pocket, out of character. And, and this would, this is just the consistency of it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, this is, it became another night and, and then you, you get around celebrities and other artists and stars and there's no distinction. It's like, what's the difference Mm. between Lecrae and, and this artist over here? There was no Mm. distinction. I was no longer a thermometer a thermostat controlling mm-hmm. the temperature. I was a thermometer. I was just matching the temperature in the environment mm-hmm. I was in. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Even when you when you shared that story just now, I'm I'm thinking about parts of the book that jumped out to me, and um, and I know people are probably hearing that story right now, and they might be shocked. But because of certain portions of this book, I'm like, I'm not shocked at all. Um, <laughs> right, I, I'm kind of right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, it feels like there's a story uh, behind that, a much deeper story behind mm-hmm. that. And one of the themes, at least that I picked up in, in listening to the, the reading your book, and and I don't, I'm curious what you think about this, but this theme of um, kind of this for kind of forced performative identity. Mm-hmm. This, um, even from early childhood, being you know being forced to fight, being forced to perform, mm-hmm. um, and your just value value in being uh, in getting other people to say that you're good enough. People that really shouldn't have the authority to to, to require require that of you, right? Yeah. But that theme seemed to move throughout that book. This just bondage right, of right. even from early childhood of just having to be. Yeah. A performer just to be just to be known, just to be seen, just to be valued. I think that was part of why when I would read it, I would feel this deep sense of lament mm-hmm. um, and sadness for this for this little boy that I felt like had to go on this course of performance. So mm-hmm. that's what that's what stood out to me, Lecrae. But I am curious as you wrote as as you wrote this book, what what was the what was the part that you were most fearful of revealing? Mm-hmm. What what's what's your part in this book that you said when when these words hit this page? <laughs> <laughs> they own this page. They own this page now, y'all. <laughs> and I can't get them back off this page. What What was that for you? It's there's there's two things. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, I, and and I'm even ashamed, in a sense, to admit that it was hard. But mm-hmm. that is the power and pull of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Is is that is offending white people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like offending white people with my truth. Because the backdrop of of whiteness, uh, when I, when I say whiteness, I mean like the uh, uh, assimilation society that we live in. That there's a norm, and that is the norm is how white people are. Um, that you know, just like it's the trauma. It's the trauma of of 2016 of saying I'm tired of being a mascot for white evangelicals, and then them berating me, bashing me, death threats, losing business. And that trauma crept back up like it's going to happen again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be bad. You know what I mean? It's going to be really bad. But I was like, but God, I know this is what needs to be said. And I know this is what what needs to be done. And so I was afraid of just being so forthright uh, uh, in the spiritual space, in the political space of just being like, look, this is what it is, y'all. Um, so that's, that's part one. I mean, obviously, you know, that's something that when you spend as much time in white spaces as I have, it's a deprogramming. It's a, it's, it's really like a, um, you know, me having to relearn everything. And so that's, that's a process. But the, but the other part was, um, revealing how hurtful and, and how insensitive I was to my wife, mm. you know, and just wow. reliving that, you know, talking mm-hmm. about pornography, talking about just, mm-hmm. you know, my wife is a godly woman. She would, I mean, like she's at home 
you know, trying to do the best she can raising kids and her husband's trying to fight in the streets of D.C. Like she has no idea. <laughs> that just, because, you know that juxtaposition right there. I thank you. Thank you for making that plain. For real. Yeah, she, 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 she don't know you being a whole fool. She don't know, right? <laughs> you out there, you out there doing the fool. You doing the fool. She exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so that part was was just hard. You know what I mean? And, and me right. just feeling like, man. I, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Like I, mm. I just, you know, I didn't know, and, and and I'm, you know, a lot of times we often believe that our mates are there simply to bear the weight of our trauma, and that's not what they're there for. You know what I mean? And so I was putting all that weight on her, and all mm. of my childhood trauma mm. and saying, "Walk with me, deal with me, fix me, help me," and she's like, "Yo, I do not. I am not Jesus." And I do not have what it takes to carry all of the load of this. And, um, and I just didn't understand that. So, Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, uh, thank you for breaking that down, um, and lifting her up too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and how she, she let you know, look, I ain't your rehab center. (laughs) I'm not Jesus. (laughs) Like, but but she's with you. She's walking with you. Right. You know, (laughs) Um, and that, I mean, my, what more can you ask for? Right. Oh my God. Wives are not rehab centers. <laughs> That's the whole Jesus. word. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I learned grace. I learned. I understood the grace of Jesus so much clearer when I think about that time period in our lives. Because I mean, she was so gracious to me in the best way she knew how. And I'm just like, yo, for you to for you to deal with all. I mean, y- your husband is gone. You know. Over half the month on the road, you're raising right. kids, right. You're, you're navigating your own faith, your life, your perspective. And, you know, he's out here. Uh, and, and, and honestly, Trump, his world, he's centering y'all's relationship in his world. So it's mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. you need to do this, adjust to my world, adjust to what I have going on. And it's, it's so much. Mm-hmm. Like patriarchy and misogyny and just and and yeah, just yeah. Pa- it just so much you know mm-hmm. all mixed up. So I, I love her. She's a saint for that. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Blessings to her. Blessings to yeah. her. Um, you know, you you do a couple of things in this book. Um, so one, I think the people should obviously all read it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a black man. I, I know some black men, but I, I, I read I read this book and I thought to myself, this book is really going to bless black men. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple of things that you you do in the book that you haven't brought up yet, but you disclose uh, pieces of childhood abuse um, mm. and sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. I would say neglect. Um, and you know, it's interesting when I asked you what, what parts were hard for you to write, you didn't mention those. I thought you might mention those and you didn't. Um, but I just, I feel like that those pieces, those acknowledgements are, are going to be so important. Um, can, can you speak to kind of your decision to put that in black and white? Um, and what do you, what do you think will, what do you think will come of that? So, so the reason the the reason why I don't think you know me discussing being sexually abused, being mm-hmm. physically abused, verbally abused, the reason why I don't think those were as difficult to articulate in the book um, was because when I first walked into therapy, those were the things that I had to begin to deal with. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, okay. Because mm-hmm. when, when you go in and you're like, yeah, my marriage is suffering, my, my world is suffering, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, they start at the beginning. And they, right. they so it's like, we're not going to deal with what's happening right now. We got to go back mm. and deal with some historical stuff. So that so I had worked through a lot of that by the time I, 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 I started this book. Um, and so, you know, I want... Yes. I want black men to I want people in general, but, but obviously black men who struggle with their with, the, with what it means to be a man and mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the false sense of bravado. And are you a tough guy? And especially those of us who grew up in a particular era where, right. you know, that was the definition of what ma- manhood was mm-hmm. um, and, and not being able to admit your frailty, your weakness, your abuse. I think that I come from a generation 
um, you know, I'm, I'm like the oldest millennial in the room in a sense, you know, where where I'm in tune with my feelings, but I'm so close mm-hmm. to these boomers that they're, they've influenced mm-hmm. me too. And they're not emotional and they're like, hey, just get over it, man. Put some oil on your mo- on your emotions and move on. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I had to navigate that and and mm. be OK with with saying that who I am as a man is not predicated on me losing a fight or running from a fight or being sexually abused. Um, that has nothing to do with my identity and my worth and my value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, which that's a message that bears repeating over and over again um, uh, because of the ways that uh, Black men have been socialized into that toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, just men in general, actually, not just Black men. Yeah. Um, but that's just who we were talking to uh, about at this table because you are a Black man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk to the brothers in the standing room section um, and the sisters <laughs> at the table about... Um, uh, the because as as you talked about uh, your therapist taking you through starting from the beginning with you right your childhood trauma and mm-hmm. then working through um, the journey th- through your life to this point uh, now do you set that framework I'm like okay that's kind of how the the book feels it almost feels like um, in some ways I'm on the couch with you mm-hmm. um, uh, at least that's how it's reading to me now and I'm wondering if you could talk to uh, the brothers in the standing room ses- section and the sisters at the table yeah. about the importance of both Jesus and mental health. Um, oh, because no. the the underlying theme of the book is that common grace, right? That that yeah. uh, God's truth, that uh, that truth is God's truth, and so that we can honor different disciplines, we can honor different specialties, mm-hmm. uh, and we want to honor those disciplines and know that we have to care for our minds um, and our souls as well. And so if you could talk to them about the importance of seeking mental health as well as clinging to Jesus. Yeah. I, I was extremely fortunate to, to and, and I would have it no other way, uh, to sit with um, Christian therapists. Mm. And, and, and the reason um, I think that that was extremely helpful for me is because and the the tool so there, there's not a lot of integration when it comes to mental health and and and, and faith. Mm. So oftentimes these are two categories that f- operate separate from each other, and that's unfortunate. Um, it's 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 kind of like science and faith. People think that they are not. Uh, people think they're mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And 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 what it is is it's like a, you know uh, mental health is like uh, a piano. And, and, and theology and faith is like a drum set and sure the drums sound good as a solo and sure the piano sounds good as a solo, but when you put them together, you have some incredible music happening right now. So, so that's the integration that, um, I felt was necessary and what, what the mental health specialists are, were able to do for me purely on a mental health level was deconstruct some toxic thoughts, beliefs, and traumas. Um, that I had accumulated over the years. And and so um, there's a book called The Body Keeps a Score where I learned yes. that by the grace of God, you know, God pr- protected my young mind by not allowing me to have full understanding of what I was experiencing. Now, the sad mm-hmm. part about it is that I, I, th- the body does not say, oh, that was 20 years ago. The body's like, it might as well have happened yesterday because the body does not have a timeline as far as trauma is concerned. So my kid brain is thinking, why could I not beat up this grown man who is punching me in the face at 10 years old? My kid brain is, is feeling less of a man and I'm growing up with this undergirding trauma of feeling like I'm not a real man because I could not get this man off of me who beat me up. Mm. Um, and then the spiritual component. So after that's deconstructed and I'm, and I understand, Hey, you know what you, you were there's no possible way you could have stopped him. And that's like, you need to know that it does not, it has no predication on who you are. And the spiritual component is now that you know, you're not identified by that particular moment. And that does not weigh in on who you are. We have, we have to talk to God to understand who you are. And so the Lord can come in and scripture can come in and give you like real resolves. And and there'll be times where, you know, I just have to quote scripture to remind myself 
Um, because if, if you don't, you're just you're, you're doing a lot of deconstruction, but you're not doing any reconstruction. And so Come on. I, I, I'm thinking of Psalm 86, 15, you know, you're the Lord, you're compassionate, you're gracious, you're slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And I'm reminding myself that God is compassionate. He's he's gracious. He's walking with me. Um, Jeremiah 31, three, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. Like this is who I am. This is what God thinks about me. Greater love has none uh, than, than, than that he would lay his life down for his friends. John 15, 13, like I'm, I'm reconstructing who I am based off of scripture. This is what the creator of the universe thinks about me. This is what Jesus thinks about me and who I am in him. So I don't have to believe these, these warped perspectives that I've grown up that I don't even know I believe, right? They're, they're undergirded. And so, um, there's the combination that really began to, to re re restore me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so the re- the renewing of the mind, right? Absolutely, the renewing of the mind that that Absolutely. repair that has to take place. You know, again, um, there the, these themes of for kind of forced performance or value in performance, and these themes of trauma um, that kind of move through the book. Um, mm. You know, I was curious, Lecrae, this is really kind of my, my last question, just out of nosiness. Do you do you see a connection between yeah, all those layers of trauma and really the racial trauma that you have been walking through to today or your or your yeah, kind of how, how maybe the, t- the tolerance for it or kind of the seduction of it. Because we can sometimes recreate, you know, these painful experiences over and over again and then not and then realize, oh, my God, we're in it. We're in that dysfunction mm-hmm. again. So I'm mm-hmm. curious about how you how you think about that question that I just raised before you. Yeah, that's that's good. I I, I you know I talk about it in the book as well. I think um, so. What I had grown accustomed to doing, like you said, is performing to you know uh, find worth and identity because of all of the 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 experiences that I had that told me I was trash. Um, and the only way I, f- I found validation and value was by performing and, and showing people, Hey, look at me, I can do this. I can do that. If, if, if I did not, uh, receive the affirmation of a woman, um, I did not feel like I had any value. Um, um, and so that became one uh, aspect of it, you know, having your father abandon you, you, I, you, you don't know in your kid brain that that had nothing to do with you. You think, well, it must be because I suck. And, and so he's not here anymore. Um, what I began to do was was try to fill those gaps with performing. And what I didn't realize was racially, um, I had found myself in white evangelicalism. And I thought to myself, you know, just uh, innocently, wow, I have a new family. You know what I mean? Like we're black, white, we're all one. And I came to the root awakening that there's still division um, even within the body of Christ as it pertains to race. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, once I was misunderstood and not wanting to be heard by white people, I thought, oh no, oh no, I gotta, I gotta earn their approval. I got, what do I gotta do? Let me quote more uh, dead old white guys and then Puritans, and then they'll lo- love me more. It's, mm-hmm. it's deep seated and just disgusting Mm-hmm. uh trauma and mm-hmm. and then you break out of it and you're like I'm done with this and and then you realize oh my goodness this is not just within the church this is like an american thing mm-hmm. that black people people of color are having to navigate in every aspect of life and you're just blown away um at in every sector in every field of human endeavor this sense of like Hey, if you want to make it in this field that's dominated by by white men, you've got to perform, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you find yourself in that performance trap, and and it's it's death because it's killing who you are and who you were created to be. And I just a quick follow up: I'm, Are you able to see, kind of grab hold of the moments when you're not performing, when you're not mm-hmm. on, and mm-hmm. enjoy and enjoy who you see there? It's only been within the last, oh my gosh, probably the last year, mm-hmm. if I'm being candid. Mm-hmm. Because when you're on so often, you don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've been this character so long, 
you've lost sight of who you genuinely are. Mm. Uh, you've been code switching so long, you got stuck somewhere in between. And now you're in this matrix of like, well, wait, who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so now within this last year, I've just come to appreciate my roots, my history, my 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 normal tendencies, my just all of who I am. I was talking to a, a friend of mine, BJ Thompson, and I was saying, man, I grew up in this all blood neighborhood and uh and 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 it was more than than like gangs and violence it was tribal it was it was community you know yeah there was some violence and some stupid stuff but man we had this bond we had this this thing and i don't want to i don't want to shun that just because these were gang members you know what i'm saying and and we're forced to to not look back on any of that type of stuff with a sense of like man th- there was some trauma and some problems there but there was some there was some beauty that 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 could have been molded and and that has been molded in me and that makes it better. And so I, I look at that type of stuff now and I'm like, you know what, you're not gonna shame me for some of the stuff that I've experienced and I've been through and I'm gonna wear my cornrows and I'm gonna I'm gonna be all of who I am and not put on uh you know to 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 assimilate or to make it. Mm, yeah, I mean there's millions of ways to be black. Because there's millions of us all over the globe. Exactly. Um, so I think there's ways that we can, um, you know, that even black people um, can, uh, how can I say, caricature, you know, blackness, right? Mm. Um, particularly if you see blackness as mediated through whiteness. And I think that's something that uh, people have to always be aware of, particularly when, right, you, right. when, you're, um, when you grow up in a racist country like America. Mm. Right. Um, nobody outdoes America with regard to racism. And so I think that's something that we always have to be cognizant of. Like, how am I, you know, seeing this beauty of blackness? Am I just seeing it in the light of its glory, uh, in the glorious way that God has created it? Or am I seeing it as mediated uh, mm. through whiteness? I think that um, uh, most black people would do well to begin to check even wow. our um, understandings of the way we view blackness. Um, that's good. But, you know, uh, Lecrae, as you were talking about, you know, who, like, uh, Steve was really getting at, like, you know, who is Lecrae, right, outside of performance and mm-hmm. performing, who is, you are, you get paid to perform, like, this is right. what you do. Um, I'm curious about what, what's next for Lecrae? What, uh, 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 what is next for you in the next five to ten years? Have you began to think about that your trajectory in the future will you Mm -hmm. still be rocking stages even i know right now we're not doing that but Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you what does the next five to ten years look like for lecrae outside of having to worry about the white gaze like just take all of that out of there like what would you want to do in the next five to ten years take the limits off and it's a question of dreaming Mm -hmm. yeah dream if you could dream and ideate right now at the table um yeah, what does that look like? What does Lecrae look like in five to ten years? That's good. Um, <clears throat> I think, yeah. So, so one thing you said is is take off the white gaze. I think that's that's a huge part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is I'm so used to having to explain all of my moves and explain why constantly, and um, and so part of part of it is just living without that need to explain, living without that need to articulate why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and so I've, I've always, I've always moved, you know, within the black community in terms of building and doing restorative things and, you know, pioneering different things behind the scenes. And I think for me now, um, moving forward, it's not so much about, um, being this, first and foremost, I want to practice it. I want to be a practitioner and then I can preach about it. So, so I want to begin to practice more of these, these things that, um, these dreams. And some of that is, is helping to close the wealth gap within the black community, um, by dealing with black developers, black investors. Um, some of that is, um, closing the educational gap by working with schools in the black community. And these are all things that I, I do behind the scenes, but but probably doing it a little bit more prominently and, and being involved, you know, having the time because I'm not on the road traveling to be on the board, um, to get involved and to, to use the mind that has run a music label for the last 15 years to right. help process some of these other things that help our community. Um, and then And then lastly, probably the prison industrial complex, is just using my time, talents, treasures, and abilities to 
one, um, uh, develop young minds and keep them out of the system. And then two, to get involved in the system to help uh, those who are currently um, in it. And um, right. and so th- those are the things that I'm passionate about, you know, at the end of the day. Um, that's the stuff that I am excited about. The music, I feel like, is a season and it's afforded me a platform. It's like being a professional athlete. That's awesome that you got Colin Kaepernick got to play. We'd love to see you play again, brother. But, yeah. you know, you have done some amazing things off the field, you know, and, and the football field afforded you the opportunity to do that. So that's kind of how I look at myself now. Yeah. Yeah. As a, a launching pad for the things that you'll be doing in the future. That's great. right. Right. Um, well, you know, Lecrae, this is your time. Talk to the talk to the the, the sisters at the table and the brothers in the standing room uh, section. Let them know where they could uh, get your book, uh, buy your album, yeah. what, follow you, talk to them. <laughs> yeah, right now, I'm in, I mean, I just want people to to feel restoration. I, I, if you have experienced death, divorce, if you've experienced just all of the the pain and the ills that this world has brought you. I want you to have the confidence to know that God is a restorer. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about um, that, uh, <clears throat> that, you know, uh, there's, there's a future and a hope. And he gave that promise to a people who are in the midst of pain and um, captivity. And, and so if, if, if he can give them that promise in the midst of pain, then we can trust that we can hold on to a promise in the midst of our pain. And that's why I'm doing all things restoration. Uh, God restores the years of locusts of Eden. So get the album. It's called Restoration. It comes out, um, you know, it's out August uh, 21st. The book, I Am Restored. There's a documentary that goes with that as well. The book comes out October 13th. The documentary comes out uh, with the album. And so I just want people to to bathe in restoration and hopefully my scars, people look at them and say, dang, I can't believe he shared all that. Well, hopefully that helps you heal. You know what I mean? So you know you're not alone. That's my, my hope. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Lecrae, for sitting at the table with us. We appreciate you. Really, we do. I appreciate y'all more than you know. Oh, we are grateful for you, brother. Uh, well, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going because we know y'all got thoughts. Um, tweet us your thoughts about behind the book, <laughs> I Am Restored with Lecrae, using the hashtag TruthTable. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TruthTable or email us your thoughts at AskTruthTable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. This uh, Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York and we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.